You remember the last time I began by saying, Jesus Christ says he will never leave me nor forsake me. He says, I am with you always. And the Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's fundamental. My wife has a saying that has helped me think rightly uh, about that. And what she says is this, if it's new, it's probably not true. But if it's true, it's not new. And what we're talking about is biblical principles, biblical wisdom, biblical thinking, and it's not new. So how do we apply it to today? Because there's a tremendous amount of confusion that exists in, uh, in the marketplace. And I want to start out with, first of all, a promise. And the promise is that by the end of this session, we're not going to have answered all of your financial questions, but we're going to have given you a conceptual framework that will allow you to answer those questions. And I want to begin it by playing a little game with you. And what you're seeing is uh, a, a numbers chart, I call it, and there are 88 numbers on that chart. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to find number one first, then find number two, then find number three, then find number four, then find number five, in order, all 88. And I'm gonna give you 15 seconds to do that. So if you're ready, get set, start. Look for number one. Time's up. So how'd you do? Having done this many, many times, I can kind of guess what was going through your mind. The type A personalities there were frustrated and now they're really angry with me that I gave them an impossible task. The type Bs quit, but there was a sense of frustration and a sense of, uh, I don't understand this, I'm confused. But if you think about it, we get confronted every day with confusing messages. And this chart depicts what kind of comes at us. A lot of information, uh, a lot of news, a lot of things, and we don't know how to interpret it. Now, if I would have given you this illustration, if I'd have showed you that there is a pattern to that chart, the one is always in the top left hand, the two is in the top right hand, the three's in the bottom left hand, the four's in the bottom right hand, the five is back up in the top left and the six, and you get the picture. Now, if I'd have told you that ahead of time, most likely you'd have done a lot better in completing this chart. You probably would have done two or three times better than just looking at all of this information and trying to figure out if there was a pattern there and if so, what it was. And that's intentional because what we want to do is to give you all of this confusion and put it into the right boxes so that you can interpret the, the messages that are coming to you. Uh, our first session was on the perspective. The iceberg illustrated the perspective that I have drives my behavior. In this particular session, we're gonna talk about principles and if I follow those five principles of money management or other biblical principles relative to my unique situation, then that leads me to confidence because principles never ever change. We're gonna share some thoughts on uh, processes because processes, if you can follow steps one, two, three, four, if you have conceptual frameworks, that leads to confidence in the financial decisions and communication in the financial decisions that you're making. 
And we're going to talk some in our next session about priorities because priorities lead to consistent behavior. So applying biblical principles to financial decisions always leads to confidence. And I tell financial advisors when I speak to them and when I counsel with them, I said, if you follow God's word and his principles, I'm going to make three promises to you. Number one, his principles are always right. They're always relevant no matter where I am in terms of my economic situation, and they're never going to change. Well, that's a pretty significant promise to make that if the principles that I follow are always right. So spending less than I earn, avoiding use of debt is always right. And it's always relevant to, to where I am, whether, again, I'm a single person or a single mom or somebody really struggling all the way uh, to somebody that has multiple surplus. And it's not going to change, so I don't have to read the newspaper and say, oh, interest rates have done this. Now what changes? Nothing changes as far as the principles are concerned. There's a passage in Scripture that I think relates a principle so dramatically, and then uh, I've got a picture that, uh, that really illustrates this. And let me, let me read the passage and then tell you about the illustration that I think really drives home the point of what God's Word has to say. The passage is this. It's in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, uh, beginning in verse 24, and it's building your house on the rock passage, which many of us are familiar with. But let me read it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed, and its collapse was great. I saw a picture, and it was a picture of Galveston Island after Hurricane Ike, which some of you may remember. But in that picture, it's taken looking totally down the island, and there is nothing left standing on that island. Everything is flattened except one house. And there's a story behind that. Those people had survived a hurricane before, but they had lost their home. And so they determined to build a hurricane-proof house. And so they built it with a solid foundation, built it on the rock, if you will. And it's so prophetic here. It says, you know, the, the winds blew, uh, the, the rains came, and the, and the rivers came, and the waters came. And when you look at that picture, that's the only house that's standing on the island. Now, the house was damaged, but it was left standing because it was built on the rock. And the point is this. Hurricanes will come into our life. Hurricanes of health, of perhaps job loss, or unexpected, whatever it may be, there will be hurricanes that will come. But if we build our house on the rock, in other words, God's fundamental, transcendent, timeless principles, even when the winds blow and the rains come and the water rises, we will survive. We will have done everything that we could to survive. It's a great, great picture and, and real wisdom there. Piece number one of the conceptual framework, it's simply God's. He owns it. And I'm managing his resources. I'm a steward of his resources. And there are five fundamental biblical principles of money management. 
I shared in our last session that when I testified before Congress, I said four, uh, four things. I said, Senator, I would tell the American people to spend less than they earn. Secondly, to avoid the use of debt. Three, to save or build some margin into their finances for the unexpected. And I said, four, that you should set long-term goals so that you prioritize your spending between the short-term and the long-term. And the senator picked up his pencil and he wrote them all down. And he said to me that it seems to me that that'd work at any income level. And I said, you're right, Senator, including the United States government. And it's true. It's not, those principles are not new. They're true and they're not new. They're thousands of years old. And I would add a fifth principle to that. And the fifth principle is this, give generously. Now, those are five fundamental money management principles. So that's steps one and two to understand conceptually. Step number three conceptually is to understand this, that there are only five uses of money. And what you're looking at right now is a pie chart, and that pie chart has all five uses of money. We call it the live, give, owe, grow pie chart. Now that's four, live, give, owe, grow. Well, my spending, my living expenses, my giving, my uh, growing, my the O has two components to it really, the, the debt that I have, uh, and also the taxes that I pay. These are obligations that I have. Well, the pie chart depicts this, that when you look at it, if there's only five pieces to that pie, my pie might be like this, or my pie might be like this, but there still are only five pieces to the pie. And everybody gives, pays off debt if they have it, they pay taxes, hopefully they're saving something, and what's left is what they should be living on. So I can tell you this, that if you know what your income is, and you know what you're paying in taxes, you know what you're paying off on your debt, uh, you know how much you're giving, you know what you're saving, you now have four pieces of the pie that you can probably figure out within an hour or two at the most. And what's left is what you're spending on everything else, which is really the lifestyle choices that you've made. It includes your insurance, your clothes, and you know, you're lodging your uh, cars and everything else falls into that lifestyle bucket, that living bucket. And when you look at that pie, here's an important concept. The concept is this. These priorities, those five priorities compete with one another. One. Secondly, they're simultaneous. In other words, it's not, I've only got my living expenses I have to deal with right now. Every time I make a decision on reallocating that pie, it impacts everything else that I could do with that money. So that pie chart says this, there are no independent financial decisions. When I make a decision, for example, to increase my giving, really there's two impacts on the pie. The first impact is that if I increase my giving, I get to deduct that from my tax uh, calculation. Therefore, I have more, I have a less tax, so the tax piece decreases, well, the giving piece increases, and typically what I can do then is to have some more money to spend someplace else. Uh, if I look at this pie and, and, uh, and many, many people, I met with a, I was speaking to a group of pastors not long ago, 
and I had a pastor come. He says, I'm 41 years old. He was not the senior pastor of a church, but he said, my wife and I, when we got married right out of college, he said, we made a decision that we wanted to be totally out of debt by the, as soon as we possibly could. And he said, it took us 16 years, but we, five years ago, he said, we were completely out of debt. He said, our friends thought we were crazy because we didn't have a home mortgage. We had no credit card debt. We had no debt whatsoever. Well, now he only had four pieces of the pie. And he said, what that allowed us to do was to allocate resources that would have gone to debt now in the future to giving, which reduced our taxes, which increased our ability to spend more, if you will, if we chose to do that. He said, we had the freedom to give because we had taken one piece of the pie and we had eliminated that piece of the pie. And if you can think of the pie and where I am on that pie, what I typically advise people to do is to figure out the four uses other than the living expenses. You know what your income is, you know what you're giving, you know what you're saving, you know what you're paying in debt, you know what you're paying in taxes, and what's left is the living expenses. Put a percentage on them and then ask yourself the question, am I happy with that? Does this really reflect my priorities? Because see what we're talking about here are priorities. And we're going to take in subsequent sessions, we're going to take each one of those pieces of pie and we're going to talk about them individually as to how you might think about those pieces of the pie. And only you can make the decision on how you want to allocate the pie. You can look at the pie and say, what would a, what would a good pie look like? What would that giving percent look like? What would that O percent look like? Taxes are going to be a function of all that you do. And if uh, it, we're going to spend some time on taxes uh, later on, but if I decrease my taxes, is there a way to legitimately decrease my taxes? And, and we will talk about that. Important concept, five principles, five uses of money. And if I know the biblical principles of managing money, these principles that we're talking about, that leads me to total confidence in the decisions that I'm making. And it gives me the freedom to set my priorities to create consistency of behavior. Also, the pie chart and the five principles allow a husband and wife to communicate because now we're not talking about me versus you, but we're talking about are we following these principles? Do we like the way that this pie is set up? And if not, what are we going to change? It does, it's not the fact that you won't make mistakes, but now you have a way to communicate uh, with, one, with one another. Simply God's five principles, five uses, and we're going to introduce another thing, and that is called sequential investing, as I, or the 5S journey, as Thrivent Financial calls it, meaning that there are five levels that I am moving through. So I'm starting, perhaps, I'm in the struggling, uh, maybe, maybe I'm in the just surviving, maybe I'm in the stable, maybe I'm in the secure, maybe I'm in the surplus, but I've, I've got these five things. Well, think about this. What this is really saying is it's all God's, simply God's, five principles, five uses, and five steps. You know, a friend of mine uh, was a uh, significant uh, financial advisor. He worked for Merrill Lynch, 
uh, in New York City, and, and he worked with clients of 50 million and up. So he, he worked with people who had a lot, of, uh, a lot of wealth. And when we had the crash of 2008, this couple, this man, uh, and a relatively young man, they lost half of their retirement because of what the markets did. And he said, my wife and I were sitting around saying, what did we do wrong? How could it be that we could lose half of our retirement? What did we do wrong? Well, the reality was when they thought about it, they said, well, we were living within our income. We'd paid off all of our debt. We had liquidity. We had margin. Uh, we, had, we, were, we were saving uh, for the long term. It was our goal to save for our kids' college uh, education. And we came to the conclusion we hadn't done anything wrong. We had followed biblical principles, and the hurricane came, and our house received some damage. But there's nothing else that I could have done or we could have done to avoid that. It's a really important thought because there is, again, the confusion that comes at us, the information that comes at us kind of leads us to think, what did I do wrong? What did I mess up on? You know, God's Word says something else in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In other words, I can get truth out of the Word and truth is applicable. Does it mean that I will avoid the hurricanes? No. The hurricanes are going to come. It may even be that I made a foolish decision, but if I'm attempting to follow God's principles and God's word, when I make the wrong decision, I can come back here and say, well, the reason it was, I didn't understand that. And it's God growing me up. I wanna conclude with some observations about that pie chart because it reveals something uh, one of the things that it reveals is that there are no independent financial decisions. So if I change a number or a percentage on any one of the five pieces, it's going to change every other number and percentage somehow. So that's, that's just a fact. Uh, the other thing that I observe from this is that if I take a long-term perspective, I'm probably going to be making a better decision today the longer-term perspective that I take. Now, for example, giving. If, if I believe that, that God owns it all, and I believe what God's Word has to say about giving, and I believe what God's Word has to say about where my treasure is, or my heart will be also, that if I give up something today for eternity, that's a really long perspective, and only the Christian can have the eternal perspective and to think eternally. So if I can think longer term, I'm very apt to make a better decision today. It's kind of like funding college education costs or saving to buy a home or the major things that you do in life. If you start thinking about them now and think about them long term, I'm apt to make a better decision today knowing more about the long term. I had a friend also who said something to me that really captured my heart and the pie diagram kind of depicts it. And that is that financial maturity is being able to give up today's desires for future benefits. 
And that's true for spiritual maturity too. There may be a lot of things I would like to do today, but because I understand that I'm a part of God's eternity, I may not do something today because I'm thinking about eternity. Think about the parable of the talents. Those that manage the talents, well, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Come and enter the joy of your master, which was long-term. So when I think about giving up today's desires for future benefits, I'm being financially mature. Let me finish it this way. What we've talked about, God owning it all, five principles of money management, five uses of money, five steps, S steps we call them, uh, the S journey. Uh, those are never ever going to change. So what we've talked about already is something that is going to hold you in good stead for thinking about money and making financial decisions always. They're never gonna change. The biblical principles of money management, which we've talked about in its entirety, are lifetime. So once I get this, I've got it for my life. 